what they say. After the show is the after party. And our post-podcast conversation was so epic, I had to press play again. I don't know exactly what we were talking about before I press play, but we're talking about not going to college and this huge controversy that caused JP to go completely viral. And I mean, not just in Louisville, around the world. You do not want to miss this conversation. So I'm excited to be here with Mr. J.P. Davis, and we are going to talk about just that. So my name is Dion Stokes, and I am the proud curator of The Failure Report. Today on The Failure Report, we were here with J.P. Davis. J.P. Davis, I met you about four or five years ago. We did. In a situation that we just were reminiscing before the podcast started about it kind of being a pseudo fail. It didn't actually take off the way we wanted it to. And it's kind of the premise of our whole podcast is it's business opportunities that don't quite happen how you thought they were going to happen or experiences. And the person that we met through was really putting a lot of energy and effort. And I think when we met, I had not yet launched my company. You hadn't. You hadn't. You had just, remind me, you had just left Funds for the Arts. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, So you were fresh off of a career that had been a part of your life for a long time. So I really want to just jump right into things. And I want to know, when is it in business that you realized that you had effed up? Oh, I was here to ask you the same question. <laughs> you tell me. You I'm tell a year me. and a half in. Right, right. <laughs> um, gosh, I don't know yet. I started a company. That's check. We're not like hugely, we're not even profitable yet. Yeah. So yeah. it's not like, I don't know, every day decisions are made where, is this the right decision? Mm. I hope. I hope so. For myself or the firm mm-hmm. or my colleagues. Mm-hmm. You know, I screw up. Yeah. My team tells me. Yeah. But so I don't know. Like, you know, I've now been doing this a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And what is this? Remind us what this is. Oh, J.P. Davis Partners. Yes. (laughs) Uh, We are a consulting firm Mm -hmm. focused on social impact community investment. Mm. I like that. Yeah. We're cool. Yeah. 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 we're, We're not like everybody else. We're we're very values driven. And I know a lot of people say that. Right. But we mean it. And we don't look for jobs. Mm -hmm. We want projects. We want you to call us if you want to move the needle, if you want to make a significant impact. And and we're really focused on social change and impact. Yeah, social change in a long-term, in a systemic fashion, I I assume. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of it could feel a little more immediate, Mm -hmm. depending on who the client is. But certainly, we work with clients to help them change from within their culture but also externally facing with their boards and volunteers. And, and then we also do large-scale campaigns. Wow. wow. Fundraising. Yeah, so that, Which people think get, they know fundraising. What? Let me tell you. So, you know, we share that in common. Have we discussed that I started my professional <laughs> career as a politician? Oh, bless <laughs> you. Lord Jesus. So we're both crazy. We're both psychotic. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, we only ever read about crazy people, well, good and bad. It. Good and bad. So I started my professional career as a political strategist and manager, and fundraising was a huge part of that. And so, you know, when you were getting ready to start this business, and I love the fact that you're new to business with your name, your likeness, your identity that's attached to it, because there's a, a heck of a lot more writing on it than saying, I'm starting this business that I cannot be the face of. 
You know what I mean? It's I, weird. It's yeah. weird. Mm-hmm. Your name being on the, on your business. It's weird. J.P. Davis Partners and I'm J.P. Davis. You know right. what I mean? And it's, yeah, it means fl- something, right? And the hair Yeah, because that's what it feels like when you introduce yourself, but it's like not who I am at all. So it's like, and it's also a lot of pressure because you want your name to mean something mm, yeah. bigger than yourself. Yeah. Where it has to or doesn't work. Sure, sure. It does. So I want to back up one step because you said that fundraising is something that people don't think is easy. People think it's asking people for money. They think that. Yeah. Tell us what fundraising is. And never mind all the work that goes into it. Before the ask, right? (laughs) So I try to avoid using the word fundraising Mm -hmm. because I don't really view myself as a fundraiser. Now, a PR person would say, JP, you're a fundraiser. Stop it. Right. Stay on brand, right? (laughs) You probably. I would tell you But you probably, knowing your background, you kind of understand where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm basically an activist. And... People use that word a lot. Mm-hmm. I view it as a positive word because I really just want to be involved in purposeful work. Mm-hmm. And I want to feel good about making positive change happen. And what I learned a long time ago, to be relevant, you either have to have a lot of money mm-hmm. and know how to give it away. Mm-hmm. And I say that because to give away money intentionally, it should be just as hard to raise. Or you got to know how to secure resources to make things happen. Mm -hmm. That's how you stay relevant. Mm -hmm. And I learned a long time ago, if I want to be a seat at the table, because I'm this Appalachian homo activist, then I've got to figure out how to secure, identify and secure resources. Then I know how to move projects faster. Faster. Yeah. So that you can keep your relevance seat at the table. Because otherwise, I'll find somebody else and say, well, they're, you know, know, we'll just keep moving on. But then you've actually been able to drop the needle on you and say, you're going to continue to need me. Because as our world continues to be more progressive, more open, and we are understanding why we need to have these strategic partnerships. And even, you know, I say strategic partnerships, but I'm even going to, I'm going to ixnay that. I'm going to say that we need to understand how to cultivate those partnerships within our organizations first, and then grow that with the individuals around us then you have a relevant position forever. Yeah, that's a great point. And I've learned you do attract the right kind of people. Mm-hmm. What you put out there, I, I truly yeah. believe you get back. Yeah. And I don't mean necessarily money, although that's great. Mm-hmm. At 40, my whole mindset on getting money in these pockets is... Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean really just the kind of people that you want around you that's going to motivate you, support you, believe in you, and not take... Yeah. For all the wrong ways. Yeah, all the wrong ways and all the wrong reasons. So tell me about what made you start this business. I know that you've been a fundraiser and things like that for a long time. I know that you've worked with Funds of the Arts. But what made you say that this was the type of work that I want to be known for? Because you did mention that you're 40. So you're in the prime of your professional life. I know I don't look good. You don't look good. Not a day over 25, Thank you. baby. Thank you. But why now? Why this? I've always been an entrepreneurial spirit in everything that I've ever done. Any boss that I've had mm-hmm. will tell you that I'm probably difficult to work with. Mm-hmm. It probably would tell you that I behaved like I didn't have a boss. Uh, but if you'd met my mom, you'd understand why. Mm-hmm. I definitely got it from her. But I have incredible work ethic. And, and I try to... People will say, JP knows so many people. Well, maybe. A lot of people know me. Right. But that's because I put myself out there. I didn't win Homecoming King, right? I've been busy doing things. And so I always like to point that out. If I know all of these people, it's really irrelevant for me to have a network like that if I'm not leveraging it to bridge the access gap Mm -hmm. and to make shit happen. Wow. 
Otherwise, why do I care that? I'm not, I'm not trying to be popular. I, I don't care. Say, yeah, your popularity doesn't mean anything to you unless you're actually doing the things that you say you want to do. You right. wanna, you're an activist. You are an individual that is going to make change wherever you go. That's right. Yeah. So the timing for me is really, oh, it's a lot going on, but the timing was just right. And I've always wanted to do it. I've always surrounded myself around people that I thought were smarter and believed in me and would give me solid advice. And all my mentors were saying, JP, Go out on your own. Go out on your own. Go. Out. I was like, ah, I'm so scared. Yeah. I mean, I was so comfortable. I had benefits. I mean, I didn't, you know, I'm first generation everything. Just name a category. It's I'm in there. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's scary to think that like me, you know, even my mom, I remember looking at me and saying, John Paul, I just don't know how you're doing this. Yeah. How did you, she was just so like, is that my child? Is that how you? Did, where is yeah. that coming from? Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just a culture thing. Mm-hmm. It was scary. It took me years. I think from the time that I made the decision that I really wanted to do my own thing. It probably, I think it took me three or four years before I pulled the trigger. Yeah, for fear. Oh, scared to death of failure. Of failure, (laughs) yeah. Because the idea of leaving the comforts of what I've known, you know what I mean? And the pride of being first generation, successful. You work for the Funds for the Arts. Like, you need to preface the understanding for all of you all that are listening that this is not a small position. Most cities have something that's equivalent, but this is an amazing space for a queer young. You were very young whenever, you know, in age-wise, whenever you had that. Always had the issue of being younger. Yeah, yeah. And that's a big fear to say, now I'm going to step out and I may F it all up. You know what I mean? Because you had to. I gained 40 pounds working at that job. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Stressful. Stress. Stress. So look, when you talk about, for me, failures, Mm -hmm. I include morality, ethics. Mm -hmm. I include confidence. Yeah. When when I do or don't have it. So am I making the right decision for myself if I'm not in the right state of mind? Somebody said to me, I asked someone today, what are my F-ups? Like, what have I F'd up? Yeah. And they were like, well, it took you way too long to accept how amazing you are and who you are as a person. Yeah. And I thought, okay, that's fair. So how did that influence my decisions? Was I overcompensating? Well, a little too much over here. Where am I doubting myself too much? You know, I, I consider a failure when I don't stand up for myself in certain client situations mm-hmm. because they convince me that I'm failing or like I'm a loser in some way. And I'm like, I'm amazing. Yeah. I know what the hell I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I know Amen. what I'm talking about. Yeah. And you know, in that position, and even in the position that you're in today, which I know it's not relevant in your current position, but in your former position, being an openly queer man, how did that affect how you showed up in spaces? Because I'm sure that what you're saying, like the fear that not feeling this confidence that you needed to have to do your job well, how was that with you being who you are at your core and in your essence? That's a great question. Well, first of all, I have to disclaim. I don't know what letter I am right now because it means you actually have to be having sex to identify. So I don't Anybody out there, I don't know what me. letter I am, but I know there's lots of letters. Not, so I'll let y'all tell me what letter I am. Right. But um, need that to clarify that. Okay. That being said, yes, I'm a very visible mm-hmm. person in the queer community. Yeah. And it seems to me like, look, I moved to Louisville 22 years ago. I didn't know anyone here. Wow, yeah. No one. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. And I was also not, I was a Republican, a lot bigger mm-hmm. and straight when I moved here. Yeah. 
And so I've been like eight people in my life, and I'm probably going to be eight more. Eight more before it's um, all done. Yeah. Just fine. Perfectly. I'm right. still learning. Absolutely. You know, when I moved here, I had to learn how to, you know, when I came out, I had to learn gay culture. I had to learn about being gay. Yeah. I knew I liked men. Right. I didn't know the culture. Right. Yeah. And there is a whole culture behind it. But even that culture in how I present myself and how people see me, because right. fundraising and things like that from individuals that I don't identify as you, it's difficult. Yeah. You know, and I can say that as a black woman, showing yeah. up in a space that is not like me, I have to make sure that I... I thought that I had to make sure that I made them feel as comfortable as possible. Oh, yeah. So how did, did that ever That's, manifest oh, in your... Yeah. It's like, on one hand, I felt like it was a responsibility. You know, we joke about tokenism. Mm -hmm. I take tokenism very seriously. Yeah. Like, if I'm the only homo in the room, and I'm sorry if that's a fact, I should not use that word. Yeah. It's Culturally. Yes. If I'm the only... <laughs> Gay. I'm a certified homosexual, by the way. Um, if I'm the only person, I do. I have traditionally taken responsibility mm -hmm. to be that token, mm -hmm. because I believe to be a token. Not only should you show up, you should take the responsibility and make the difference, and you know, hold people accountable, yeah. educate, yes. and that's a hard thing to do. Like to answer your question, empathy is very important to me because. The reason why I said I've been eight different people in my life is I do believe everybody's timing is different. I remember when I was in college and terrified of gay people and stayed away from gay people because I was afraid I'd be implicated in some way, yeah. right? I lived that mm -hmm. as a closeted. So I don't know who I meet on a, on a basis who may offend me in that moment, but then I'm like, that was me. Yeah. I was that person. Wow. That is so interesting because we have, we live in many lives, you know what I mean? But you lived a life of someone that is the complete juxtaposition of who you would live today. You know what I mean? Fearful of gays, fearful of this, don't like, you know what I mean? And, and Republican, oh, <laughs> which 100%. is on the complete flip side of the coin that you live today. So it is interesting how those, did you ever consider you becoming a failure? The word becoming being like me becoming my whole self. Was that something that you mourned, like losing your old self? Or is it something that you stepped into with a lot of pride? No pun intended. <laughs> oh, I see what you did you there. Like that? That's a great question because I'm actually in the midst of another phase of my life where I think I'm answering that again yeah. in a new way. So I don't know. Stay tuned. Yeah, yeah stay tuned. I'm entering another phase. Look, I. Vulnerable alert. Yes. I started my company the same week I found out both my parents were battling for their lives with COVID. So imagine finally having enough courage mm -hmm. to, you know, I was taught fear, mm -hmm. not acceptance, my whole life. Yeah. So think about it. We all grow up mm -hmm. and our parents teach us through fear yes, they do. or acceptance. I was fear. Mm -hmm. Fear yeah. black people. Yeah. Fear gay people. Right. Fear women who try to not be in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fear them. Fear them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I had to unpack all of that as I was growing up, like being educated, experiences, travel, welcome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so then fast forward, started this company. Mom and dad get COVID the same week. And I'm like, okay, I just launched a company. What the hell, how am I going to do this? Because, you know, it was already overwhelming enough. And so even a year and a half into this, I feel like I'm just now starting to really dig in with our team, set bold goals, roll up, you know, because January 1st, January 15th, mom died, dad's still in the hospital, hanging on to his life. And fast forward, he's had four strokes this year, in and out of the hospital. And so that's all while building this business. So feeling like a failure, I mean, every day I like, God, am I effing things up today? Yeah, yeah, because you're trying to show up for everyone. Right. You know what I mean? I'm trying to show up for myself and mourning the loss of my mom, who has, 
just from our short conversation has played an integral part in your life. Then dealing with my dad's health, it is a lot to bear as a person. But you know, the way that you present yourself in the community and the fact that people want to attach themselves to you is also something that I've witnessed. Because you said, a lot of people know me. A lot of people say, oh, JP, you know everyone. And you're like, a lot of people know me. But they want to be attached to your greatness. They can feel that. And you have to be show. I wish somebody would tell me that on Grinder. <laughs> I love him so much, y'all. <laughs> They're not telling you that on Grinder. No. Swiping. No. <laughs> Ready to take you on a date. Yeah, right? We can go out. <laughs> but you have to. You have to. You know what I mean? Because every morning is a decision. I can choose to allow everything that is happening presently to define how I'm going to show up today. Or I can say that I have a team of individuals that need me. I have a responsibility. And I am a popular person that people care about. And I know that's a, a bad word, but it is something that people are depending on you a in choice. a unique way. It's a choice. It's a choice. Yeah. It's a choice that I that I have made. And, and that's why when I talk about failure, one might assume immediately, like somebody came up to me recently and said, JP, I cannot believe you're doing that. And I was like, why? I was like, well, we're just not taught to talk about our weaknesses. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, I know, but I'm, over, I'm past that. Like at this point, bring it. Cause I think I could take on anything, but it's a daily choice. You know, I think all of us have that choice every single day yeah. for ourselves, mm -hmm. right? But I do think that some of my past in adversity does dictate my decisions. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean a good thing. I mean, success, how you define success, some people may define success, how rich am I? Right, right. Well, if that's the case, <laughs> I'm complete failure at this point. I'm definitely not there yet. <laughs> right. But you know, for me, I define success, I think more about legacy, I don't think in real time. Yeah. I really honestly just wanna make sure that everything that I do leaves a positive footprint. I do care about the impression that I make on people. And I think it's just because of that adversity, right? I know and remember when people have made me feel like a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. Or below them, yeah. or not good enough, or I know that. So I never want to make any other person ever feel that. Yeah, I, I love that. We share that in common, for sure. I know what that feels like because. Um, well, you're a black woman. Absolutely. I mean, even as a gay yeah. man, I'm still a cis white male. Yes, at the end of the day, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would love to know from your perspective, because mm -hmm. yeah. I think you offer an even way and more interesting yeah. perspective than I do. Right, you want, to, you want to provide that space where everyone never gets to feel how you felt in that moment when dot, dot, dot happened. You know what I mean? And so you do go out of your way to make individuals feel included, to feel a part, at even maybe your own detriment. I'm not able to be as focused and on time and, and, and intentional about my own needs because I don't want to make I want to make sure other people don't experience what I've experienced. And in business specifically, it can definitely be something that can be viewed on paper as a positive, but in real time as a complete negative because I took the whole networking opportunity to make sure I touched everybody because I wanted to make sure everybody felt like they were present and, and valued and all of those things where it was really important, more important for me to check the mics. <laughs> Are they working? Are we, can I mean, you hear me? I relate to that so much. Yeah. But and that I is think a, that's, that's kind of a... That could be a failure. I mean, you do fail because it puts you in a situation where you are now choosing, just like you said earlier, to then put your attention on one thing versus another. And when we really start, and I think I've said this in a past episode, when you really start looking at what a failure report is, it is writing out the things that you're grateful for. And oftentimes, they're the things that you failed at in that day. I wasn't 
present. I didn't show up as my best self. But at the same time, I'm grateful that I was in the room. I was invited. I had the opportunity. There was air and breath and life in me. I was able to attract the energy of the individuals that I needed to meet. Those are the things that you you turn every failure around. You can choose to, because you can choose to say it was just a failure and I just fucked it up and that's it. Or you can choose to say, this is something that has become a complete positive part of my day and I always want to be this person. Yeah, I totally get that. And, and I'm good at dealing with failures. Mm. Like I'm pretty self-aware, mm-hmm. like to a fault, like but good and bad, like yeah. my flaws and... And I'm really good, like, I'm not really, I don't take myself that seriously, if that makes sense. So when I fail, I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. And then I just figure it out, move yeah. on, right? Mm. I get more stressed out and anxious about, I'll give you an example. So I hired somebody recently because mm-hmm. I felt pressure from a client that I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you allowed them to make you feel like. Correct. I wasn't good enough. Even uh-huh. though I have 20 years experience, literally have been part of 2 billion plus in campaign experience, fundraising. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've developed countless strategic plans, fundraising plans, board development, recruitment, trainings, like you name it. Got it. Mm-hmm. But everybody knows fundraising better than me. Right. Everybody. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of, you know, again, hired somebody. But what I learned about myself is when you're a business owner, and even like a national, I have a national firm mm-hmm. based in Louisville. Right. And there's still this stigma of Kentucky. Oh, and yeah. you tell people you live in Kentucky, and I'm like, who's the ignorant one? Get out of my face. Like, yeah. I don't, don't ask me stupid questions. <laughs> like, questions. who's the ignorant one now? Right. And I'm very intentional about being in Kentucky. I want to be a successful, gay owned startup yeah. and millionaire, frankly. I want to be yes. rich. Oh, I love you yeah. saying that. I mean, Say I want to be a big old rich Kentucky homo. Ooh, yes. Yes. I love and, it. And I mean, why not? Why How many not? of us are there? Name them. Right. So, me. <laughs> exactly. And look, it's, it's important to me to be, like, I think in my rural, lost JP self when I moved here 22 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I wish I had a JP yeah. mentor or somebody that is very visible that knows that you can come talk to me and anytime, right? I'm accessible. And also like get out of your bubble. Yeah. LGBT people, youth, I tell all the time, put yourself out there. Yeah. Step forward. Mm-hmm. Show up. Mm-hmm. The community will support you. Yeah. I it took a village for this one. Yeah. I mean, you know, I would be not where I am at all if people like Mr. Frazier, I mean so many women in this city has supported me and, and now lots of LGBT. But really I, I showed up. But without all that help and support and guidance from people in this community, there's no way I would have been successful. But it's scary. Like, especially if you move here from rural where people you see on social media are like the world hates you Mm. or wants to take your rights away or looks down on you. Or, you know, it's hard to have the confidence to show up when people feel like you don't really belong in the room. Yeah, when you don't belong there at all. And had being a new business owner, you have a lot to prove. Like you said, you had to hire someone because someone felt like you don't have it. So you had to go out to then find it. And then you have to have the confidence to fire that person. There you go. Yeah. And do you know how hard that is? Oh, yes. To like, and then especially someone who feels like they're up here, you're down here, it's going to come back to bite you. Yeah. I'm like, you're not, I have to. Like, (laughs) Right. There's no way around it. Yeah. And those are the hard decisions you make as a, as a business owner, especially as a new business owner, like you're saying. It is difficult to fill those spaces. And, and this is really is the last two things that I want to touch on is you say, stated it's a year and a half in. You've had to hire and fire 
And there's going to be a lot more of that, as you know, under that beautiful umbrella of entrepreneurship. But what are the things that you are doing to protect yourself today with your experience, with your knowledge, the things that you know? What are the things that you're doing today to say, I know I can see this on the horizon. Let me go ahead and step ahead of that and make sure that this doesn't happen. Because you have had a lot of years of experience with working with large campaigns, large bosses, large budgets. What are you doing to help other individuals? And how would you use that example to really help the individuals that are listening to say, get ahead of these things in business. Be mindful. Therapy. Lots of therapy. Mm, Yes, sir. Um, Coaching. Mm -hmm. I listen to a lot of people. I ask questions. I try to get myself in front of as many smart, successful people as I can. I listen. I ask questions. I steal people's time yeah. if, they're, if they're willing to give it. Give it? Right. Um, if it's for sale, I'm taking it. Where I sit, and if I were to fear f- failure, mm-hmm. I'm still learning how to manage cash flow and projected revenue and projected expenses. You take on client work, which means you've got to find talent to help manage that client work. Okay. And then sometimes clients pay. <laughs> Sometimes Sometimes they they don't don't. pay. Sometimes they're two months late. But you still got to pay your people. And so that's the part of the business side of things that I'm still like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I've never done this before. Like, I just want to do the work. I'm good at strategy. Yeah. Bad at money. Bad at money. Right? Like, I'll raise it. Love that. Yeah. I'm like, a tax bill's come. God, I've got to write another tax check. Another tax check. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like, wow. Like, you know, I'm pretty political and I know a little bit, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just like, I look at all of these reports like Amazon and Walmart not paying taxes and they're able to, and I'm like, well, I mean, I don't get any breaks. Like, no. small businesses aren't getting anything. Man, Kentucky one stop emailed us this weekend. I almost shit a break. I was like, oh gosh. Seriously. It's happening again. I'm like, can we, we can take this on? Can we? Black Girl Magic. I would know we could. Black Girl Magic, mm-hmm. Appalachian. Magic. Yeah. We could sprinkle I think, this I think powerful. and make it happen. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we could put some pressure on these people. It Come needs on. to happen. I'm just like, that's something I've learned. It's like, yeah. gosh. Yeah. Like, where's my tax credits and yeah. breaks? And I've got three yeah. people. I've got all this money coming in from out of the state into the state. Right. What about that? I'm like, do I, can somebody give me some credit there? Like, no. no. No, nothing. Yeah. But you said something. You're bad with money. Yeah. Raised over a billion dollars, bad with money. That takes a lot of insight. You, you had to sit back and realize this is something. I'm, I'm great not. with other people's money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just, it's like, I don't like managing that part of the business. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I don't either. You know, and I outsource it. Mm-hmm. You know, I pay attention, but it stresses me out every day. I'm like, God, how much money do we have to get in the door today? And yeah. what's going out? And mm-hmm. uh, that's probably the thing that gives me the most angst. But then the more people I talk to, it's apparently a very common. Very common. Like everybody. Um, yeah. There's only two reasons that marriages break up, and that's sex and money. There's only one reason that a business fail, and that's just money. And so it's always a thing. You know, it's never going to stop, and everybody feels it. I don't care if you're making the million dollars. When you become millionaire JP, you're still going to have outsourcing those things, and you're going to be right. like, well, It's crap. just scale different. <laughs> that's all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and so that part of it, it's just I've realized about myself that I'm more of a visionary. Mm-hmm. I'm more of just like, in my mind, I'm vision, strategy, I'm 20 years ahead. And yeah. probably people on my team, I probably get on their nerves all the time because I'm like 20 steps ahead. And like, slow the F down. Yeah. Like, give us time to like, Catch you still got this, this, and this, and you're already over here. That's just where I like to stay. Yeah. But I've got the right team to accommodate areas that I don't want to be involved in. That's a blessing. That's yeah. a blessing. The last thing I wanted to know is about your mindset. You pseudo, and it was a joke, but you kind of apologize. Like, I'm sorry, I don't hope that's not offensive. I say homo or <laughs> these things. It but, brings me joy. Right, it just brings me joy to say that. But how did you become 
the person that you are today? What was your mindset? What is your mindset when you wake up in the morning and you talk to your team? Give us the thing that you, if it were your secret sauce, what is your secret sauce when it relates to your mindset on how you approach people, your career, and your projected future career? Yeah, the timing of this question is perfect because I'm confident now more than ever who I am, unapologetically so. But I I would say, honestly, truly, I'm the proud son of Bob and Peggy Davis. You know, I'm a hybrid between the two of them. Good people, strong work ethic. People say I got out. Mm-hmm. But my mom actually got out. Yeah. When you look at the business that she created for herself when she was told she belonged in the kitchen, mm-hmm. you get married, you have kids, and full disclosure, like they only knew what they knew. You know, they grew up in hollers. Yeah. And they only knew what women's role, mm-hmm. black people, gay people. I had to unlearn all of that in my life. Uh. But I still knew them as people. Yeah. And generational change is real. Hmm. I guess empathy, I just love that word because you learn, again, everybody's timing is different. I even think about, I'm very careful now about how I approach people. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm very intentional. I question before I speak. My dad, for example, I'm very active in advocating for people. Right now, trans is a very popular topic for a lot of worthy reasons. Yeah. Our generation, it makes sense. Right. I'm not sure I need to have a conversation with my 75-year-old dad about trans people. You know, yeah. he's poor. He's only worried about surviving. That's it. Yeah. So not his agenda. Yeah. And I think I'm okay with that. You're okay with that. Does that make sense? I love that. And so when you ask me about my mindset, I just am at this. I've turned 40 this year. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm reflecting on the kind of life I want to live over the next 10 years mm-hmm. and who I want in it, what I want this company to look like, and the person I want to be. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's hard to be the right person mm-hmm. when people expect you to be what they want you to be. Mm-hmm or say what you should say or not say. Mm-hmm. But I just want to say whatever I want to say. Yeah, and live the life that you want to live out loud. Unapologetic, you called it. Yeah, I love that, that makes sense. It love it, I love it. JP Davis, this has been the highlight of my month. Yeah. I appreciate you so much for being here with us today. Love you. And sharing your failure report. Thank Thanks you so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would have never gone to college. And I hate when I interview individuals, especially young people who talk about, I've got this degree and I've got that degree. And the reality of it is, is that I have worked for $70 million campaigns and $1,500 campaigns. And at the end of the day, everybody wants to know if I can do it. No one's ever asked me if I have two MBAs and one in finance and one in international business. I speak four languages and no one cares. No one cares. No one ever. I graduated magnum cum laude from my undergrad degree at my prestigious HBCU. Nobody cares. They want to know, can you do it? Can you manage it? Who are you? They don't care. And so the thing of it is, is that I hate when I interview people and they're telling me about their education and all I, I'm like, very good. Let's turn the page on education. I want to know, what can you do? Who are you in your essence? You talked about work ethic. My thing is, I'd rather you work and come to work with a great personality and be happy and enjoy coffee or conversation about something like mocktails than you, you know, graduating with a 4.0. I don't care about 100%. that. 100%. Can you do it? And that is the part that I feel like our generation is really getting into. I think so. I think so. education I... is starting to lose its... It's sizzle. I have strong opinions about post-secondary education because, look, I was lost. It's not gotten anything but debt. Yeah, I was lost. 
I didn't know, have any other choice. Like that was my break out. Mm-hmm. And thank God, I'm grateful. I'm not ungrateful that I have oh, a college so cool. degree. Oh my Absolutely. God. At the time it was everything, but now I'm saying, yeah. wow, what I know today, because I didn't have that kind of access growing up to know or understand this whole other world of entrepreneurship and making your own decisions, yeah. teaching yourself, yeah. not worrying about labels and mm-hmm. the status. Mm-hmm. But looking back, truly, I think, God, six years and I could have just started because I, I know what I'm, I'm good. Yeah. You know? No, no, no. But it's interesting because my very first job out of college actually made me come, become an entrepreneur. And I was managing a gentleman that was running for mayor in Huntsville, Alabama. And at that time when he hired me to be his strategist, he'd never asked me, ever asked me about, did you graduate from any of the local colleges or community colleges? Or They wanted to know, can you write a speech? Can you understand this? Can you help me with this platform? Can you get me into this community? Can you do these can things? Can you look good? Can you look good on my can arm? Can you communicate well? Introduce me when I walk into a space. Make sure that I know the person's name before I walk up to them. Fundraise in my present, in my absence, rather. Can you do those things? And it is so interesting because I just don't believe in it. It has never served me. And I kept per- trying to pursue it even after I stepped into the entrepreneurial space because I felt like at some point it's going to come up. Yeah, I'm going to need to have it. So I got the MBAs. I did those things. And it's been a non-factor. So I have really nothing positive to say about post-secondary education. It's really a very... <laughs> it's It should change. It should be reformed. And I know that's not a popular thing or to say. Or you go later in life. Because I could go at 40. I am a cardinal. Mm-hmm. But I had to have it when I was mm-hmm. that age, right? Mm-hmm. Like I needed it. Yeah. But just looking back, I can now understand, I feel like it's almost a responsibility of mine to be honest about it so that we could be part of change that needs to happen. Because I'm not sure, what a privilege to go for four years and study. Mm -hmm. Wink, wink. Um, (laughs) I was studying. You know, well, I did. I had to work real hard. But, Mm. you know, nothing came natural to me in college, right? I had to work. work um, at it. Because I was never a good test taker or anything like that. But, yeah, I think, God, and I would have majored in a foreign language. I think, what tangible something could I have done? Use. Mm -hmm. You know, but for where I majored in communications. I taught myself that. (laughs) I did, too. I majored in communications. That was my. Because I didn't know what to want. I still don't want to be when I grow up. Right. I know what I want to be doing. Yeah, making money. But I, but whatever. I don't know who am I. Who like, am what I? am I being? That's it. What am I being? And that was one of our questions. Who am I becoming? Because I think we're always becoming. You said you knew JP two two lives ago, yeah. two lifetimes ago. I, I, I am a Republican JP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it's. I still have a percent Republican. Age. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a quarter yeah. percent. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not extreme. Any, oh, yeah. I'm not extreme. Well, that's anything. another thing. About, yeah, don't, we don't want to talk politics, but you can't be extreme. Everything is gray. Everything. Life is You gray. can't. All of these agendas and bandwagons and, and mm. movements. And I'm like. I'm on my own bandwagon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I built my own ship and it's mine and you can come aboard. Let's do a political podcast. Oh, my God. We just have some fun. Listen, because I have some views for you on everything. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. And then we'll let everybody else tell us what we are. And then they can just comment in the chat. Yeah. (laughs) And they can talk about you in the group chat. But otherwise, it's just our show and we can say what we want. I mean, I will say I am a proud Democrat. Just to make that known because I think the right has gone cray-cray. Cray-cray. They are. Off their chains. Crazy. absolutely. Do you have any other questions? That was a fantastic question. Any other questions, thoughts, comments? You can ask anything. For JP or myself? All right, JP. Hey! Yay! A fellow entrepreneur. Uh, I've known you for a long time and you've always presented yourself extremely well. 
you had a post that went viral this year. Way big. How did you deal with this? I was I mean, scared. How, how big was this post? And, and like, I know that this community really came after you. And I don't know I about wanna, this. I want to understand how did you do your PR breakdown. So for everyone who doesn't know what happened, so I give my opinions on social media a lot. Yeah. I don't hold back, but I feel like I do it in a respectful way. Mm-hmm. Ish. Mm-hmm. From my point of view. <laughs> um, so a friend of mine presented a homework assignment that her seventh grade child got. Yeah. She came to me on a Friday morning and showed it to me and said, what is your take on this? Like, I really don't think I want him to do this assignment. And I read it and it was basically write a hypothetical letter to your seventh grade friend Mm -hmm. who's struggling with homosexuality, explaining all the biblical reasons why it's wrong. And of course that triggered me, you know, because I was a seventh grader, but now I'm a very outspoken 40 year old homo. Mm -hmm. So I really reflected Mm -hmm. and decided to put it on all my social media platforms. And I was, it was a simple post about I don't even know what I said, but basically, shame on you for this. This is damaging. That morning, I'll never forget, I called Kim first and said, I've got a situation, I need help. I'm like blowing up over here. By the end of the day. I think I just broke the internet. I think I just broke the internet. Yeah, so, hold on, And then hold the on. media start calling PFLAG, CNN. I'm like overwhelmed. Newsweek, London. All over oh the world. Oh my gosh. It went to 10, it was 10 million tweets. I had over a million messages on Twitter alone, several threats. Threats. Instagram, okay. LinkedIn, all went viral. Facebook. Website. Website, getting like the head of the Southern Baptist Seminary, Bob Mueller or whatever his name is, said mm-hmm. that I was causing the brink of the collapse of Christianity, calling for the Christian warriors. I, so I'm like, do I need to get security? I'm like, I'm like oh, terrified. And at the same time, he has just my address oh, is everywhere. And P flag and P flag saying yeah, we're gonna we're coming not. to Louisville. We're organizing a press conference. It's like no, you're fucking not coming Who's to Louisville. P flag. I don't know. It's a gay organization. Oh, a gay organization. Yeah, a national organization. Yeah. But they're all calling me HRC. They're all wanting to like make this a thing. And I'm like, slow down. Like oh, yeah. So my response. The school is getting death threats. Oh so they gosh. have 15 police cars now covering the perimeter. They're having special meetings about me and like people, I have people calling me saying, JP, you really need to be careful. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, what did I do? What the Christian do? warrior, I'm like, the Christian now, warrior I'm like the public coming. enemy number one of the evangelicals. Right. And so I'm getting messages from Athens to Japan, to Europe, to Amsterdam, to some lady called me in San Francisco to thank me. Because there were a lot of positive messages too. I was gonna ask, what was the, what were oh, the, overwhelmingly wow. Positive. Wow. So I thought really hard about how I was going to respond now that yes. everybody's wanting a response. Right. All the media wants right. an interview. And so what I did was I posted, which also went viral, mm-hmm. I posted a letter to my seventh grade self. You did the assignment. I did the assignment. You understood the assignment. And it went boom. And so then I started getting calls from parents. And I didn't realize how many people I knew associated with Christian Academy Global. But people thanking me, like Luke Hancock, who played basketball at UofL, took mm-hmm. his kid out. Lots of people removed their children. And, and then I've had hundreds, thousands of messages of people all over the country saying that that letter forced family dinner conversations. Yes, absolutely. Like they would read it to their kids, like thousands of messages mm-hmm. of people saying, your story changed our perspective. Wow. Your story started a new conversation in our home. My and that- daughter's so completely unknown. Mm-hmm. My daughter, she goes to battle. 
her social studies teacher said, I have a current events topic I want to talk to you all about today. And it was JP's letter. And she's sitting there like, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I know that guy. Yeah, and still today, yeah. I run into people, and people will say, this happened, Thank that you. happened. Our Sunday school talked about it. And so, look, I feel like what I wanted to happen, happened. Yeah. So I don't need to start a movement or make it about me sure. or, like, be mean and no. angry. No. We wanted to respond that way, and it worked. It did. Because then people were allowed to just reflect. The letter that I wrote basically said, look... You could teach these seventh graders this, but let me tell you what kind of damage it does as a 40-year-old who had never got to know what it was like to dance or go to a dance with a man. Mm-hmm. Never knew how to go on dates or be a social. Like, we never got the normal experience growing up. Yeah. Like, I listed. All of those things. And yes. said, so just that seventh grader will be a 39-year-old one day right. writing this letter. To themselves. Telling you and yeah. will resent you. Wow. Because all of our beliefs happen in that age group. Seventh grade is such an important time in your life and in your identity. I love the fact that that happened and, and how appropriate for it to be what you do as a profession. That was <laughs> a crazy two weeks. You could have a better storm for the fact that, and now this is why JP, part, JP Davis Partners exist. Because these are the types of conversations that needed to have happened so that this situation never happened. That's a good point. And it is, it's so important and it's never going to stop. Like I said, I wish I was the optimist that was like, and now we're going to be healed and kumbaya is about to happen and we're going to... It's forever, this is the way that our world was created. It's steeped in who in the individuals that contacted you from Japan and Australia. It's not that it's going to disappear. So for that reason, we may as well know as much as possible and be educated and speak eloquently as possible about the topic so it doesn't catch us off guard. That's a great point. And mm. I appreciate you asking that question because it was a learning experience for me. I post stuff all the time, but that was the first time I thought, oh shit, somebody gonna show up and shoot me? Like I remember I'd drive home and like do a complete look around. Like I was terrified that, you know. It is so funny on the other side of not knowing that 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 happened. So I I see the post and I'm like, right on JP, that's really good for you. In my mind, I turned the page because I saw the thing that happened. I saw your response and it was so normal. It felt so normal for that to be your response. Oh, I see. Until it made sense. It was just like, well, that's ignorant. Well, that's a good response. Next. Next. Yeah. (laughs) Meanwhile, you're like, oh, it went viral. It went viral (laughs) because everybody else couldn't turn the page like that. You know what I mean? You knocked the pause. Which is fascinating why it went viral. You knocked the pause because you're offending me. I didn't want this to get out. This is what they're learning. I don't like the way that you're responding. I don't agree with your response. You know what I mean? He shouldn't answer the question. What are you going to say to the seventh grader that comes out as gay and says these things? You know what I mean? That's why. Well, I even said take gay out of it. I told, I later found out, I know people that work there, and so I was getting all behind the scenes of what was happening with administration. And there were like threats of walkouts, like parents, teachers. I do know for sure Cal had major change happen because there was like major threats of like removing kids and like they lost sponsors, donors. um, As they should. And Mm -hmm. my thing is, look, take away the gay thing. Why are we teaching seventh graders to teach another seventh grader that they're bad? Yeah. Ever. Ever. In anything. Why are we doing this? Like, who? 
So even if you had strong convictions about gay people, mm-hmm. again, yeah. why that applies to me? Yeah, I have your convictions, know. but but the curriculum had a lot. That it's all it can go deeper than anything because that's a that's a question of curriculum and why you're teaching that. Yeah, like you that's just said. why I hear they're changing. Like yes. apparently they hired a consultant to come in and do a complete overhaul Absolutely. of their curriculum and an audit to make sure that they catch these types of Absolutely. assignments. Absolutely, and then reviewing your lesson plans to identify what teachers are teaching because they can go off record. All those things. Good. I'm glad yeah. it happened. Me too. Congratulations to them because you'll be forever changed and affected, and then maybe you'll be a donor one day. Good trouble, John That's Lewis. It. Good John trouble. Lewis. Good, Good trouble. trouble. I love that. I love that. Great question. But, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was. I've got stories. 